0: Fantastic. Thank you. bit mysterious, isn't it? Two whiteboards up here. I'm just going to pull these a little bit closer to me. Sorry about the rearrangement. I'm going to need a pen as well. I was thinking, um, Kerry, I'm sure one will arrive eventually. So I was talking, we've been talking in the last couple of weeks about uh, Strapped and in that series I've been getting you quite a lot to put your hands up about different things and today I'm talking about prayer and I want to talk about the two truths of prayer and I was thinking about it, um, if I got you to put your hands up at this point to this question I think there'd be a lot of hands up so I won't get you to put your hands up but the question is simply this, who here struggles with prayer? Who here finds it hard to pray? Who here wishes, maybe to flip it around, that they would pray a little bit more? We hear a lot about prayer, right? So who here thinks it would be good if I was somebody that prayed more? It would be good if I didn't struggle so much with prayer. It's not just me. Um, I think prayer is one of those things we struggle with right from the beginning. I remember Kemi um, when she was three years old. I kid you not, Jess is... A witness to this uh, one time we heard this yelling at the top of our stairs and it was Kemi our three year old we sort of in our old house had multiple stories she was at the top of the stairs and she was saying God like this I kid you not God where are you God like this and then she said answer me God right like that And at three years old, Kemi had her first spiritual crisis because God didn't answer her in that moment. And I remember her being perplexed. I'm praying to God. I expect him to do what I want. We struggle with prayer. We struggle with that expectation of what we want God to do. Um, I'm a pastor. I hear it all the time. This is what Uh, I'm supposed to do pray more so we're going to talk about that you hear all sorts of good things about prayer I just thought you know what I'll do is I'll read out some of the statements that famous people uh, men and women have made over the years and maybe these will make you squirm a bit they make me squirm a little bit we've got them up on the on the slides but here they are some of them what about this one? You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can never never do more than pray until you have prayed. How about that one? That's true, right? Makes you squirm a bit. God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. What about that one? That is true. John Wesley, I think, said that. Famous evangelist, he spent two hours daily in prayer. Prayer strikes the winning blow. Service is simply picking up the pieces. True, one should never initiate anything that he cannot saturate with prayer. All these things are true, but they make me feel uncomfortable. Bill Hybels. By the way, we announced last week in our GLS that Bill Hybels is going to come and speak here at Catalyst in May. Is that pretty cool? I mean, we are incredibly blessed as a church. But Bill Hybels says this about prayer. He says, I am not, I am too busy not to pray. Good statement, Bill Hybels. How about this one, Martin Luther? If I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the, the devil gets the victory throughout the day. Oh, I I have so much business I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. Martin Luther said that. The last one, no, it's not. The second last one, the most important thing a born-again Christian can do is pray, Chuck Smith. And here's the last one, John Wesley, I think again, prayer. Is where the action is. And we've seen all of these. You guys are probably into somebody's house and in their bathroom toilet wall. They've got that stuck up there, right? Those sorts of things. And you start to feel a bit bad about prayer because you know these things are true on and on these lists sort of go about prayer. But we still find it hard. And I just have a simple message today. But I wonder if you're blocked by something. Today, I want to examine that something that can stop us praying to God. It's a real simple message. And maybe you've got it all sorted when it comes to prayer. Maybe for you, prayer is an easy thing. But maybe something blocks you. I just want to share a little bit from my life and something that in the last couple of years has really helped me. But I'll tell you something that stopped me, that blocked me for a long time. It is something that is true about God, that stopped me praying, that that made it hard For me to pray. And when I apply this truth, this is the thing, this thing I'm going to share this morning is true. When I applied it to all of the statements that we just read before, I find every single one of them, if I just apply that truth, doesn't make sense. So, what truth am I talking about? What is my is statement? Because today I want to talk about something that God is. Maybe you're already thinking about what what this thing actually could be. Maybe we should have tested these before we... Here we go. What is my is statement that is true about prayer? God is... Does someone want to have a a guess at the, the last word? God is listening. It's true, but it doesn't mess with me. Here's the thing that messed with me. God is sovereign. God, did I spell it right? I practiced that many times. That is a hard word, I'll tell you that much. God is sovereign, right? This is what I know to be true about God God is sovereign, God is in control of everything. This is the God that knows the number of hairs on our heads. He finds that job easier in some than he does in others. But God is sovereign. He knows everything. This is the God that we were reading in Scripture recently. If a bird falls to the ground, he's aware of it. The report comes in. Somebody hands it to him. A bird fell to the ground. He already knows that the bird fell to the ground. He's sovereign. He knows all things. God's in complete control of everything. There's nothing... At all, it surprises God. I remember as a kid, I don't know if anybody else played the the mind games or God games that I did, but when I was a kid, I would try and surprise God. Did anybody else try and do that? Because I was trying to work this out, and I would lie in bed, and I would sort of try and surprise God. I would just lie there, and I would just go, like that, (laughs) or something. Anybody else do any of this stuff? I'd just be lying there. Did you know about that one, God? (laughs) I honestly would do this, be like doing nothing, yeah. did I surprise you God, you know, and then I started to work out, if only I hadn't have done that thing, God would have been surprised, does that make sense, because he knows what I was going to do, right, so then I would go like this, did I get you God, but then I thought if only I hadn't done that thing, I would have surprised God, does that make sense, no it doesn't. When you are about 5 or 6 or 15 or 19, however old I was when I did this stuff, I started to work out, you can't surprise God. It's impossible. No matter what I do, if I do this, he's not surprised. If I don't do this, he's not surprised. He knows what I'm going to do. Because God is sovereign, right? God is in control of all things. God knows all things. And as you read the Bible, you start to find this more and more. In Proverbs, it says, you cannot roll a dice without God knowing which side is going to come up. He just knows which side is going to come up. God is sovereign about all of these things. Psalm 115, 2 to 3 says, Why do the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Well, what point is there? Because God does whatever pleases him, God is sovereign. The scripture says that if the birds are fed, the flowers grow, the grass is green, it is because of God. And all of us agree with this stuff. And it is a truth that is true. And it matters to me. I want to serve a God that is control. I don't actually want to serve a God that doesn't know what's happening. So it works for me, but it causes me a problem. And my problem is, why would I pray if that's true? Because God knows everything, he's in control of everything. He's got everything sorted. Proverbs 16:9 says, "In his heart a man plans his his course, but the Lord determines his steps." So the Lord is in control of everything that goes on in my life. So when people say, "Let's pray for rain," How are we to respond if we know that God is already in control of whether the grass is green or not? Why would I pray for rain? Isn't that already in God's court? If God knows if I'm going to uni or to TAFE or I'm going to get this job or that job or if I'm marrying Jack or Jill, preferably Jill, I'm falling down a hill, why would I pray? You guys sort of get what I'm saying? Has anybody else struggled with this? Why would I pray? Because God's sovereign, right? God's in control. If he knows if my loved ones getting a bit more serious are going to live or die, if he's predetermined this, if he's aware of this, then why do I pray? If I experience suffering like Job did, and then what really spooks me, we've just finished this book because I read through this book and I start to understand that God ultimately... Okay, the suffering of Job. That's what I see when I read that book. And who am I to pray one way or another because God is totally in control. God is sovereign. And what is equally frustrating about all of this is that Jesus tells us to pray. Is that the Bible is full of scriptures telling us to pray. The Bible continually says, come and pray. It examples how to pray darn it in the bible we're told to pray and yet i have this truth that i know to be true messing with my head at the same time and to be truthful you can shrug your shoulders you can say it all doesn't make sense it's all too hard god's in control anyway so why would i pray why would i put energy into calling out to god and i wonder how many people are stuck at this point maybe you've got it sorted that's okay But for me, this helped as I started to understand some truths about God. Because I discovered that there's another truth that's equally as important and is equally as powerful as this truth. And when I understand that I can hold both of these truths together at the same time, you know what? It made a difference to the way I prayed. It made a breakthrough in my own prayer life. And I want to talk about this other one here. The other one is a yet statement we're going to talk about. God is sovereign. God's in control. God is all powerful. You can make that say whatever you want. Yet. Yet. And that means this other statement is equally true. It's 100% true. It's another truth about God. Yet. And this is what helped me. God is. wonder what you think it is. God is personal I'm going to talk about these two truths as we finish our time today God is sovereign, he's in control yet God is personal, what does that mean? you know in scripture we we hear the sovereign God talked about we worship the sovereign God yet God describes himself as Abba Father God describes himself as a loving God responsive to our needs. He doesn't present himself as some overpowering, all-bearing, don't-be-messed-with sort of God. He presents himself as a personal God. This same God sent his own son to this earth to be amongst us, to show his personal love for us. And again, in something that messes with your head in terms of his sovereignty. He sent that son to the cross. He allowed that son to be tortured and died for our sins to show us his personal love for us. And with this personal God comes freedom, comes my choices within the realms of his sovereignty to choose whether to accept him or not, to walk with him or not, and certainly whether I pray to him or not. And this means while he's utterly sovereign in control, he is nothing more or nothing less than personal as he deals with me. He allows me to speak to him or reject him, to be with him, or not to request of him or not. And what I simply want to do today is encourage you to hold up these two truths as equal truths, not one more than the other, not 150%, not 150%. Hold up two truths together as you start to redefine maybe for you what prayer is all about. On the surface of things, I think some of the most interesting scriptures in the bible when it comes to prayer and when it comes to understanding these two truths about god are scriptures that talk about this scriptures that say this that say and then god relented we can learn a lot about holding these truths up when we understand that in scripture it says god relented if you want to see the personal nature of god have a look at these scriptures have a look at the stories that go along with these scriptures In Exodus 32, 14, it says, Then the Lord relented. Now, that messes with you a bit because I thought God is sovereign. I thought God is all-powerful. I thought God gets to make all the decisions. But if you understand what that word relented means, it means it's like he changed his mind. That's what it means to relent. It's in a sense God changed his mind. So what does that mean? That we go over this side? That God just does whatever we ask? That if we've got a new idea that God will change his mind, it doesn't matter God one way or the other. Is God all personal? Well, let's have a look at what the scripture talks about when we look at and God relent. When we look at the scriptures, how do these two truths come together? Maybe one of the most famous of these stories is Moses on Mount Sinai receiving the tablets. You guys know that story. Moses is up on Mount Sinai and he's getting the tablets and God is speaking to him. And this is an amazing time in Israel's history. The people of God are separate from Moses. So they're over there. They're without Moses, but he's hearing from God directly. This is a great day. The Ten Commandments are are happening. But over here, we know that the people of Israel are making maybe the greatest mistake they've ever made because they're rejecting God. In a moment, that should have been triumph. They're turning away from God and they make a golden calf. After all that God has done, they make a golden calf and they begin to worship the golden calf. In God, who is all sovereign, all in control, all powerful, in this moment, God is furious about what's happening. He's furious and he says to Moses in Exodus 32 verse 9, he says, I have seen these people and they are a stiff-necked People, Listen to this verse. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses, it's amazing this passage of scripture because Moses who knows more than anybody, the power of God won't leave God alone. I mean, do you just even pick up what's happening here? God says, leave me alone. Sovereign God says, leave me alone. And Moses says, I won't leave you alone and he stays with god and he begins to pray to god moses who knows all about god prays to god and you know what he does he holds up these two truths at the same time as he prays to god he he calls on the sovereignty of god and he calls on the personal nature of god and if you follow this passage through which of course you're welcome to do first off he starts off here And listen, we've got to listen to how Moses prayed because it can give us an insight as to how we pray. When we can get messed up about these things, look at what Moses did. He starts here. He says, God, if you do this, if you follow through with what you're saying, do you know what the Egyptians are going to say about you? They're not going to say God is personal or God is love or God is caring or God helps his people. They're going to say you're cruel-hearted. They're going to say... That you're not a God of love. This is what they're going to say about you, God. Do you understand that, God? And he appeals to the personal nature of God. But then he flips over here and he says, And anyway, God, the Israelites, which are God's chosen people, they're a part of your plan. You're sovereign, God, and you've already promised that the Israelites will be the ones that will go on, that will be your people for the rest of time. You've promised that, God. You're sovereign, You can't go back on your own word. And in one breath, God, Moses, is appealing to the sovereign nature of God and the personal nature of God. And the scripture says that God relented in that moment. And this is where things can get really confusing. You can sort of do your head in. On the surface of things, God changed his mind in that moment. again, is God personal? Does that mean that God's just wishy-washy? Well, you could think that because God changed his mind, but in the other breath, if God had have carried through with that promise, then maybe he wouldn't have been sovereign. God had to be sovereign because he'd already promised it. And so you go back and forth on this and you hold a mystery up about these two truths that exist at the same time. And the point to all of this is we're not to get confused about it. There are things that in God are mysteries that are hard to understand. The point to all of this is simply to follow Moses' example. And Moses does this when he prays. He doesn't get fatalistic. Moses doesn't say, well, God, you're in control. I can't do anything. I'm mad at these people too. You've told me to go away, so I'll just leave it. Moses holds up these two truths in this one moment and he prays a prayer of intercession and he seemingly changes the course of history because he understands that. God is sovereign and God is personal. Now, you can say if Moses wasn't there, would God have gone ahead? But that's like saying, can I surprise God? You know, that's like doing that exercise. I don't know. Maybe God would have risen somebody else up in that moment. Certainly, Moses would have missed his moment in history to intercede for the people, to pray for the people. And what I start to get a picture of here is that I don't run away from God when I understand this truth, but I run to God when I understand both of these truths. And we ought to challenge ourselves that this could be our moment, that your moment could be right now as God is asking you to understand that He's sovereign and that He's personal and He needs you to intercede. He needs you to pray because that's the way He's chosen to live out His sovereign will on this earth. Let's have another look in Scripture at God relenting Ezekiel 13 verse 5 God is talking in this place and he's mad at the prophets of that day the leaders of that day because they haven't repaired the walls of Jerusalem you often see this in scripture this matters to God and there's a lot of good reasons for that but God says this you have not gone up to the breaks in the wall to repair it for the house of Israel so that it will stand firm in the day of battle Okay, fair enough. They didn't go and do the job that they were asked to do. Now, it's interesting when you understand what this is about. Scholars will tell you this is a really direct reference. There's no two ways about it. God is really saying, you didn't pray. You were supposed to pray. The breaks in the wall, they represent prayer. And what he's saying to the prophets of that day, is you had one job, it was to pray. There were things that you needed to pray about. But you didn't pray. And have a look what happens next when they didn't understand these two truths. They didn't understand that they had a role to play with a personal God. Have a look what happens next. Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says, I looked for a man among you who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. So I will pour out my wrath. You hear the two sides here? I looked for somebody to pray. That's the personal nature of God, but I didn't find that person. So in my sovereignty, I will pour out my wrath and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on them the head on their heads all that they have done. Declares who? Declares the sovereign Lord. God is a personal God. He responds to us. He says, "I looked for somebody to pray." But don't miss this. Nobody stepped forward. Nobody took the challenge. Nobody stepped up to the plate. Everybody probably thought, well, God's sovereign, God's in control, I couldn't care less. I don't know what they thought. But they missed the fact that God is personal. So God carried out His will. And the real point of this is never think that you are not a part of God's plan in this universe, that at this very moment you are not required Step up and be somebody that prays, that cares, that calls out to God. That we as people praying to a personal God can be actually used by Him to bring about His sovereign will. I don't want to sort of make this too complicated, but I think that is key. We as people can pray to a personal God to be used by a personal God so that He brings about His sovereign will. And I get there's mysteries in those two truths. But you know what? They help. You know, God is waiting for this church to be a church that rises up with the issues that we face. The urges that you have, the troubles that you face, the desires that you have, the passions that you have, the visions that you have. God is looking for this church to be a church that will step up and stand in the wall and pray. It's a bit like what he said to Queen Esther. I wonder if anyone's had that running around in their mind at this moment. 4 verse 14. Mordecai talking to Esther. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. That's what God would say to us. It matters. It matters. You might as well insert your own name here. He says, Esther, this is your time. But maybe he's saying, Terry or Sue or Christina or Alan or Bree, I need you to be praying. Because I want to see my will done through you calling out to me who is a personal God. A personal and the sovereign coming together. Now, again, if you don't do it, will it still happen? It's like one of those time travel movies. I love time travel movies. I don't know if you do too. And if you try and work it out, what, if that had have happened, what? that's the sovereignty of God. That's the mystery of God that we don't understand. That he's calling us to pray. Two truths are true. God is sovereign. The God is personal. And rather than scaring me away from prayer, rather than scaring Moses away from prayer, or the people of the day... This calls us forward. God calls us forward in these truths to be prayers. I now pray because God is sovereign. And you think about this, this is exciting. I pray because God can flatten mountains. This is the sovereign God that I pray to. I pray because if there's cancer in my relative, I know that God can reach into that situation and remove that cancer. I know God can do that because God is sovereign. I know that my relationships that are hurting, God can intervene, my children that are struggling. The sovereign God, that's the God that I want to pray to. I don't want to pray to a God that I burn incense to, that sits on a shelf. I want to pray to the sovereign God. That's the God that I pray to. You know, Joshua was in the middle of a battle and he prayed that the sun would stand still and the moon would stand still. I bet he was glad that he was praying to the sovereign God, right? Because that's the God that can do those things. And he understood that. But I tell you what, I am so glad that this is true. I'm so glad that God is personal. I'm so glad that God hears me. I'm so glad that I'm when I'm struggling, he knows. I'm so glad that God understands the temptations that I face. I'm so glad that God died... I'm a cross for me. I'm so glad that God knows that I fall and then he picks me up again. I'm so glad that God listens to me. I'm so glad that God is personal. And when we hold these truths together, they call us into prayer. I want us to challenge ourselves this week and this month, And as our life goes on, to be called into prayer. Is it possible that you don't understand these two truths? You know, I thought about it today. There might be some that are actually over here. I mean, I've sort of shared my version. For me, there's probably more there. But maybe you're living here. And for you, God is just your thing to make things happen. For you, God is a genie in a bottle. You know, for you, God is a scratchy ticket or or a get-rich-quick scheme or whatever it might be. That's who God is for you. God, do the things that I want and do them now. And maybe you get mad at God when you don't see the things happen that you want. A bit like Cammy on the top of our stairs. God, where are you? Because you're here to do the things the way that I want them to do. And you know what? I love that you have that interaction with God that you see that He's personal, that you can go to Him and you can call out to Him. But for you... Maybe you've got to hold up just a a bit more of this other truth. God, actually, you're sovereign. I'm not going to stop over here, but God, you're sovereign. Maybe you need to run into the arms of a loving father that knows better than you do, that is in control of your life, that's got it sorted, that does see the beginning from the end. And while that's hard to understand from over here, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to understand and know, God, you're in control. God, you're sovereign under all my circumstances. And I understand, I understand you're loving, but I understand you're in control. So we hold that up. But maybe for some, we've camped over here. I want to ask that question. How many today have checked out of prayer? Because of this, he's sovereign, isn't he? He's in control. It doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to make any difference. If I pray or don't pray, can I ask you what prayer have you checked out on? Maybe you haven't even started to pray because of this side. Well, can I ask you to hold up this side of the ledger, hold up his truth that he's personal. Maybe your view of God is that he's all sovereign. Who is God that he would respond to, a frail old human being, that he would be that personal? Maybe you've seen prayers go unanswered and you're wearied at the mystery of the sovereignty of God. Don't give up. Why? Because God is personal. In fact, we see so clearly in His Son, Jesus Christ. And to get to the point, and this is a point and I want it to sit at home. Who knows what joy, what vision, what direction, what change, what life-giving power, what healing you are missing out on because you've clocked out somewhere along the line. And you've said, oh, God's just sovereign. There's nothing I can do. What are you missing out on? And, and even almost scarier, what are others missing out on? Because you're not standing in the gap for those people. You know, the people I applaud every Sunday are those that come week by week. And I'll be honest, it tends to be our older generations. They come out week by week and they look for prayer. Maybe, I don't know how it works for the younger generations, but we figure, oh, that's just who God is or... Maybe worse, we figure we've got it all sorted or we don't need God. God is calling us to pray. He's calling you to pray. He's calling you to be a part of his vision in this earth. Are you happy with where Australia's at at the moment? Are you happy with where our politics are at, where the state of our society is at? Yep, God is sovereign, but he's calling you to pray to him. He's calling you to be a part of what goes on in this world. And as a church, I think we have so many good things at this church, so many excellent values, but I think we're low in this value. That's my take. I think as a church, we're casual, too casual about this value, this call from our living, sovereign God to be a part of his mission here on this earth. It's time to fan the flame of prayer in our life. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we get a bit discouraged. Oh, I've got to fan that flame. The scripture talks about the seasons in our life where we fan these flames, we we, we bring to life these things and as a church let's fan into flame our passion again for prayer. I don't know what sort of prayer it is for you it could be all sorts, connect group prayer personal prayer, prayer when you go into a meeting, private prayer prayer as you walk somewhere, prayer as you drive, speaking in tongues corporate prayer but an understanding that God is calling us. You know, as a church, corporately, a handful of us gather here on Sunday mornings. At 8.15, if you come to the first service, this is this crowd, at 8.15. At 8.15, there's often about five of us here praying corporately for the things that are going on. If you come to the second service more often, we actually make it 8.25. That's just logistics, not because we don't care. That's just where we've had to land. For five minutes, 1025, for five minutes we pray that we call out to God about all these things. God, the sovereign God, God, the all-powerful God. God, would you move? Would you change our kids' blitz? Lord, we have Christmas productions coming up. Lord, would you do something? Lord, there are people that are sick. And we call out to the sovereign God to meet us in a personal way. And I'm only saying one little thing. And by the way, it's not about guilt this morning guilt lasts for about 10 minutes we all know that I'm asking us to open up our eyes a little bit and see that God is calling us inviting us to be a part of prayer and can I ask you to be a part of our corporate prayer I understand more than anyone or at least as much as anyone that it's hard with little kids and life and family and situations and there's no checkbooks out checking who's here but come and pray Fan the flame of this value. Let's be a church that calls out to God, that stands in the gap for the things that God is calling us to. And for you in your life, turn the TV off. Pray. Praise your drive. Pray as a husband and a wife. Praise as you enter a meeting. Pray as you're on the train, possibly not out loud. Let's not be people that miss our chance to pray. And to understand that two mysteries are true. God is sovereign and God is personal. And I, for one, am so glad that this personal God wants me to be a part of his sovereign plan on this earth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just take a moment and I think like we often do at the end of just... A challenge from your word, we repent in our own hearts, God, for the casual nature we've taken to prayer. Lord, even putting aside, God, opportunities that are missed, we just put our eyes and our hope and fix them on you again right now. And We pray, God, that you would stiffen up our own hearts, stiffen our resolve, God, to be people and men and women of prayer that will pray, God, for children, God, and husbands and wives and families and friends and loved ones, God, that will call out to you for our visions and our, and our troubles. God, that calls out to you, the personal God, that can move in a sovereign way and change things. And while I have the chance, I do pray, God, for this church. I pray that you would meet us in your grace, Father God. Lord, I pray for Christmas productions, God. Lord, I pray that in your grace you would reach down and touch and bless and be a part of everything that goes on here, Lord we would be people that would demonstrate your living gospel here on this earth lord challenge our heart and lord let us leave glad again that your grace is enough for us and we're glad that you are sovereign we're glad that you are personal we pray this in your mighty name Amen. amen amen amen